around this time of year, we, we like to watch the same movies over again. We like to, to do the same things over and over again. Uh, one of the classic, not, it, wasn't, it wasn't originally a film, it was a novel, uh, then it became a play, and then it became a movie that was done and then redone and then done again and, and again. And, and by now, everyone has done a Christmas carol, right? There's a Mickey Mouse Christmas carol. There's uh, uh, the Muppets did a Christmas carol. Um, I'm, I'm guessing they had some kind of a sitcom back in the 80s that made it into a Christmas carol. I don't know. But there's so many different versions of this. But the reason why we love it and why we always go through it around the Christmas time is because it's a great feel-good message, right? I mean, here's Ebenezer Scrooge who just has this fantastic change of heart from, uh, from greed to generosity. And isn't that what Christmas is all about? Just being generous and goodwill. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's great. It makes us feel good. And they had a holly jolly Christmas at the end. And everyone lived happily ever after. I love it. Well done, Charles Dickens. Way to write. But perhaps if we were to have a more realistic and more accurate description of the Christmas season that you and I might experience, maybe it would be a line from another one of Dickens' novels, A Tale of Two Cities. Right? The, the opening line, it was the best of times, it was... That's right, and let's keep it going. In the next slide, it was the age of... Oh, 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 you heard the sermon last time. <laughs> Cheaters. <laughs> they were in the first service. They don't count. <laughs> You're still here to worship Jesus. Of course you count. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> it was the best times, worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of disbelief, unbelief. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. And doesn't that better describe Christmas? Because it can certainly be a time of contrasts for us. I mean, we see goodwill and we see ugly greed. And to family, uh, Christmas is a time of family togetherness, but it can also be a time of excruciating loneliness. It's a season of light and it's also a season of darkness. Now we all want Christmas to be the best of times. That's why we decorate and donate. So we shop till we drop and we put up trees and hang tinsel and bake cookies and way too many cookies. And we put together all kinds of toys. And we all want that holly jolly Christmas. And for some of us, that's exactly what this year is like, right? We're gathered with family. We're excited for the many traditions that, that happen during the season. Maybe, maybe this time we're watching the next generation get to experience it for the first time. And how cool is that to see the excitement in the eyes of a child? Or maybe you brought someone into your family and you have, I don't know, a, a significant other, maybe even a fiancé, and they're experiencing your family traditions for the first time. How cool is that? It's the best of times. But for others, as much as we want the season to be joyful, it can seem like the worst of times. Because the merriment of Christmas can often be mingled with the misery of conflict. Now, on the surface level, all of us experience some kind of conflict. We all fight about minor things, like during the holidays. We fight the crowds. You know, we, we fight overly packed schedules. Maybe we wrestle with decorations and untangling cords. For those of you who have extended family with you here, uh, I'm sure there's all kinds of fun squabbles and disagreements that, that you get to have, right? Are the in-laws coming? 
And then the bigger question, how long are they staying? <laughs> now, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not the kind of fight that turns the best of times into the worst of times. No, there's a much deeper fight that many of us have to endure, right? Maybe, it's, maybe for you, it's the fight to keep a joyful attitude during such a busy time because you're so concerned with the tasks of life that you haven't been able to sit and just reflect on the gift that God gives to us here at Christmas. Or maybe this year has been a year of loss for you and your family, and you're wrestling with grief because there's one less stocking hung, and there's one empty place at the table. And though Christmas is meant to be a time of joy, maybe we're wrestling and fighting against depression. And though at the time of gathering together around the Christ child, maybe today, maybe this evening even, we're battling against loneliness because our family is distanced, either physically or emotionally or both. For some of us, we've been able to, to press the pause button on our troubles and our anxieties and the hurts that we carry. But for others, no pause button could be found. The truth is we all want Christmas to be the best of times. But some years it feels like the worst of times. We all want it to be a season of light, but it can seem like the darkness is overwhelming. And if that's where you are this year, if you feel like it is a fight against darkness, I want you to know you are not alone. In fact, we're all part of that same war. All of humanity has been in the midst of a spiritual war since the fall into sin. The corruption of the world around us, the, that's a result of that fight. The brokenness that we endure and experience, those are battle wounds. Those are scars that we bear. And throughout the Old Testament, when we look at, through the scriptures, we see this march of sin and evil and darkness overtake the people of God. It all starts with those first shots fired in the Garden of Eden. And it goes all the way through the rebellion of the people that led to their exile. The Old Testament is filled with losing spiritual battles. And it led our, our prophet Isaiah in our first reading to, to declare that the people were walking in darkness. That they were dwelling in deep darkness. And even today, for us, it seems like that battle rages on. Because sin attacks us in so many ways. It attacks our hearts so we value temporary gain over eternal riches. And darkness attacks our minds that we would seek our own good even at the expense of another. Sin drops bombs into our marriages, into our families, wreaking havoc on our most intimate relationships. Most important people in our lives turning places of security into places of anxiety. Sin has affected our culture. It's warped our priorities. We're not too far distant from the people of old because we too find ourselves walking in darkness. In this spiritual war, we so frequently find ourselves losing. And in some ways, we find ourselves on the receiving end, right? We're the victims of that darkness. We're oppressed by the sin and the evil around us, the hurts that people put upon us. But in other ways, we're the villains. We're the ones who promote and embrace sin. Scripture talks about this. It says in John, it says, This is the verdict that light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. See, too often we love 
the darkness of self-centered narcissism. And we live in the darkness of lies and half-truths. And we long for the darkness that feeds our sinful desires. The sad truth is that sometimes it's by our own doing that we experience the worst of times. But this is where the Christmas story comes in. It comes into play in the midst of darkness because that's the whole theme of the story. If we had to summarize the Christmas narrative into a, a theme, it's this, is that in the midst of darkness, light is brought forth. In the midst of darkness, light is brought forth. So here you have Mary and Joseph, right, who have already experienced and endured months of ridicule because of an unplanned and misunderstood pregnancy. I mean, you and I, we know, we're the readers, we know that this is child, it comes from the Holy Spirit, but the people next to them didn't know that. They assumed that it was unfaithfulness. In fact, most scholars would even concur that, that Mary's visit to her cousin Elizabeth was not just a social call, instead it was a sanctuary to escape the steady stream of scorn. And then, this couple... This couple was forced by an oppressive government to embark on a several-day journey just before she was due. And upon arrival, couldn't find a place to stay. No one would let them in. No place in the inn, no guest room to be found. Not a person in the city had enough mercy on Mary to let a very pregnant into labor in the worst of times moment let her stay in their house. Instead, they find themselves in a stable. Over and over again, they experience the darkness in this world. But there, in the barn, in that darkness, light was born and hope was given. Jesus, the Son of God, came to dwell with us. In the midst of darkness, light was brought forth. Right, or let's take the shepherds. Let's look at the shepherds who were watching their flocks by night. And they were of the lowest class in the social structure of that day. They were the unimportant ones. They were the people that no one cared about, no one cared for. But in the dark of the night, the light of God shone upon them. And the angels filled the sky and delivered, to, delivered the good news that Christ was born to them. Though they're not valued by the people, they were highly valued by our Lord. And we th think about that for just, just a second. If you have good news, who do you tell first? You tell someone that you, have, you, you care significantly about, right? You might tell your spouse. You might tell your parents. Uh, you know, I remember when we found out we were, uh, we were going to have a kid years ago. Now, first people we called, parents. Got to call the parents, Right? When I got engaged, calling the parents, calling my sister, calling my friends, calling someone really important and valuable to me. But who does God decide to tell first? The nobodies, the people in darkness. He comes to them, this Savior, this Christ is born to you. How cool. In the midst of their darkness, light was brought forth. And C.S. Lewis, he, he, he's famous for writing the Chronicles of Narnia, and he noted that theme of darkness and light in his writings about Christmas. 
Now, Lewis wrote primarily most of his works during and after World War II, so he often utilized the wartime motif. And I love the way that he described Christmas, that, that in this spiritual war, Christmas was the turn of the tide. The birth of Jesus Christ into our world was the moment that darkness and sin started to lose. And our first reading says it this way. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. At Christmas, the light was born. God took on human flesh. Jesus came to be one of us. And can we just pause for a second and reflect on that truth, that God became man. The majesty of the Lord was born in the midst of the mundane. The God and creator of all that is was placed into a feeding trough. Divinity entered into the world on the floor of a stable through the womb of a teenager in the presence of a carpenter. God though he's deserving of all honor and praise and worship, humbles himself to dwell with us. And Scripture talks about this one. Talks about him as one who is able to empathize with our weaknesses because he was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. And what that means is that Jesus experienced the darkness of our world. He lived through the worst of times. He was no stranger to suffering or grief or loneliness, but it doesn't overtake him. Instead, as John tells us, the, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The tide has turned. And throughout Jesus' ministry, we see glimpses of the tide being turned as Jesus fights against the brokenness of sin. He heals the sick and he gives sight to the blind and he raises the dead and he forgives the sins of the people that he encountered. The enemy that we are so helpless against is now finally being pushed back by our Savior because the tide has turned. And Jesus is this light that took on flesh so that he could take you into his arms and heal your hurts and forgive your sin and destroy your darkness. Jesus took on flesh in order to live the life that we could not, to die the death that we deserved. What we learn through the scriptures is that Jesus didn't just come to live with us, but he came to die for us. Because if Christ in the manger is where the tide turned, then Christ on the cross and Christ walking out of the grave is where that war was won. Because there our sins are forgiven. And through faith in him, our eternity is secured. And that is the hope that we cling to during the best of times and during the worst of times. So for those of you who have had a holly jolly Christmas, enjoy those festivities. Rejoice in it. Remind one another of the, of the reason of that celebration, that Jesus is your Savior. He's delivered you from your sins. He's granted you eternal life. Rejoice. And also be reminded of the, that the merriment that you experience now is just a small, tiny glow compared to the eternal joy that's in his kingdom. So as joyful as this time is for you, there's still something far better in his kingdom. And for those of you who have been enduring the fight, 
who've been struggling for joy, know this. Know that Jesus is victorious. He has won the war. It may not feel like it. It may not feel like it tonight for you. But the light of the world shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it, and it will not overcome you. And so in times of struggle, run to Jesus. Take refuge in his mercy. Rest in the promise that your sins are forgiven, that you are dearly loved, that you are highly valued by our Heavenly Father. So whether tonight is the best of times or the worst of times for you, the birth of Jesus, which is prophesied by Isaiah, experienced by Mary and Joseph, witnessed by the shepherds, it all leaves us with this good news of great joy that the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. A Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, this night we celebrate that you sent your only Son into this world to be the light that overcomes, the light that destroys the darkness of sin. And we thank you for the gift of Jesus, that our sins are forgiven, that our salvation has been won. As we celebrate his birth, remind us that his love and his grace is for all people. And use us to share his love with our world, that all might come to know you as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we continue our worship?